0: Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. But you've got your Bibles. Let's get them open and uh, see what God would have to say to us today. Um, here's the context. Jesus is heading into Jerusalem. The Passover festival is getting ready to take place. Uh, I've, I've read scholars say there could be upwards of 2 million people gathered in Jerusalem at this time. Like, this is a huge event. People from all over the known world at that time are making a pilgrimage for the Passover. Jerusalem's packed. Jesus is at the height of his, like, celebrity status. He just brought a dead guy back from the grave. The word is spreading. Like, he's done all these miraculous things. The crazy thing is Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to die, and he knows it. The crowd doesn't know it, so we're going to see this tension play out today where they're all excited because they're starting to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That's good, but they didn't understand what the Messiah was going to do. They thought the Messiah was going to come and set up this earthly kingdom and lead Israel back into its days of being a world superpower. And so they were like, this is our guy, you know, I mean, just imagine any presidential election times 10 where we once again get fooled into believing that some human leader is going to actually deliver our country regardless what side you're on and we all lose our minds over one person that's what's happening here they're like he is the guy and then there's going to be this weird tension that plays out because he's going to let them down like no that's not actually the kind of kingdom I came to build so John 12 verse 12 it says this John writes The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, for the Passover, they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches. That's why we call today Palm Sunday, because they took these palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting Hosanna. So they're throwing these palm branches down in front of Jesus as he's making this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And what does the word Hosanna mean? It means save Now, Like they were looking at Jesus as the Savior, but they didn't get what kind of salvation he was bringing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Now he's quoting Old Testament prophecy. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this only after Jesus was glorified meaning crucified buried and risen again did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him so what that's saying is there's a lot happening that the disciples don't still understand what's going on but they will soon okay now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb that happened in John 11 and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word they're telling everybody Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. And then I love, this is comical to me. We'll read one more verse and stop for a minute. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Like the Pharisees are sitting back watching this crowd celebrate Jesus. And they're like, we got to do something. Okay, let's pause for a minute because there's a few things I want to talk about. First of all, I want to just highlight the courage of my Savior, Jesus. He is no wimp. Because what we know is this, and we've seen it for many weeks now in John, the religious establishment, the Pharisees, they wanted Jesus dead. They wanted to kill him. And Jesus knew this, right? He's already kind of escaped him several times. But, but question, if you knew that some group of people wanted you dead and that this city called Jerusalem just happened to be like the epicenter of their hotbed of activity, question... Would you head to Jerusalem? I wouldn't. I want to live. So if I knew a group of people wanted me dead, I would stay as far out of Jerusalem as I could if that's where they were kind of headquartered out of. Or if I like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go to Jerusalem. I'm not going into a crowd full of cheering people. I'm going under the cover of darkness. In the middle of the night, I'll sneak into town when no one sees me. Jesus came in broad daylight for all to see. He headed straight for the cross. Looking at In the eye, even though we're going to see in a little bit, there was a part of his humanity that was terrified and did not look forward to the discomfort and the crucifixion that awaited him. Jesus was no coward. He was courageous and he hit it head on. He enters into Jerusalem. I want to draw out of that passage of scripture two symbolically important things about the fact that Jesus comes riding on a donkey. Um, first of all, John quoted from Zechariah 9.9, an Old Testament, what we would call a messianic prophecy, an Old Testament prophecy that pointed ahead to the Messiah. And so when Jesus sat on a donkey to make this entry into Jerusalem, it was yet another way that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. Okay, And, and, and here's the other thing, even more symbolic than that. This is kind of profound for us, for you and me, like, we don't look at donkeys as like, a very sexy animal, right? Um, matter of fact, I can't even think about donkeys anymore since they came out with the movie Shrek without hearing Eddie Murphy's voice in my head. Like, and in the morning, I'm making waffles, right? Like, I, I, I don't think of donkeys as being this, this sexy beast, right? Uh, but in this day, for a king to come on a donkey was very acceptable. It was a very royal thing. But check it out. Here's the powerful symbolism. If In this day, if a king approached on a donkey, it was a, a sign that he was coming in peace. Versus, if a king was approaching you on a horse, it was symbolic that he was coming for war. Now, little interesting Bible study I'll throw at you and then you can do with it what you want. Jot down Revelation chapter 19, and on your own time, you can go read Revelation 19 and read about what's happening when jesus comes back he's not riding any donkey next time he's coming on a white horse and he's coming for war he's coming for war with the evil one in the kingdom of darkness for the final battle where he will forever defeat sin and death and hell and uh, you read revelation 19 and jesus is not some meek mild savior he is a conquering warrior coming back for his church. It's an incredible passage of scripture, but in this moment, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's not coming for war. He's coming for peace. Something else I want to draw out of this passage of scripture, just some random things that pop into my mind as I read this. One time somebody pointed out to me, uh, and I think this is noteworthy for us, uh, that A lot of the same people that were whipped up into this frenzy, this crowd that's like, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're all excited because other people are excited and they're caught up in the moment, the frenzy of worship. And and at the surface, it looks really good. There's all these people worshiping Jesus. But watch this. Five short days later, on what we now call Good Friday a lot of those same people that on Sunday were yelling, Hosanna, save now, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, would be screaming a different tune. And on that Good Friday, they would be screaming, crucify him. Same mob, same mob mentality, all whipped up into a frenzy. And I think one of the little small takeaways for us is this. Don't live your life to please the crowds. They'll love you today and they'll crucify you tomorrow. You live your life to serve the one true God who created you and called you. You live to please him, man. If you live to please the crowd, they're so fickle. They'll, they'll worship you today and they'll crucify you tomorrow. I just think that's an interesting insight. Then one other quick thing. I just want to point this out to you and maybe it'll change how you read some of these stories in the Bible. I I drew your attention to that verse where the Pharisees, you can just hear the distraught, you know, in their voice where they're like, What are we going to do about this? Look at all these people worshiping Jesus. We've got to do something or the whole world's going to believe in this guy. They hated Jesus, they wanted him dead. He was just totally, you know, upsetting their religious establishment and pointing out their hypocrisy and their stupid rules that have nothing to do with a relationship with the living God, and they hated him. And so, in my Bible, when I read a story like that, you know, where you got this enemy that's just trying to, they just at all costs want you dead. Like, there's a, there's a word that I scribble down in my Bible when I read these stories. You want to know what that word is? The word is unstoppable. Jesus in this moment is unstoppable. There's no one's going to stop him from accomplishing the purpose for which he came. And the thing is, for you and me in our lives today, here's what I want you to know is this. Scripture is full of stories of people that have been called by God for a plan and a purpose. And when they set foot to that, they're unstoppable. And that's true of your life and my life as well. Like if we really are walking in the path that God has called us to, I promise he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I also promise that when you're walking where he wants you to walk, you will come face to face with opposition. And a lot of times that opposition is going to look like self-righteous Pharisees. Religious people. And when you got religious people taking pot shots at you, you know you're walking right where Jesus walks. And here's what I want you to know. You're unstoppable. It's not to say you won't experience setbacks and an enemy that's constantly throwing darts at you. You will. But when you're walking in the path that God has for your life, you're unstoppable. Nothing will stop God's plans or purposes from being accomplished in your life. So the moral of that story is walk in his path. Walk with him, let him lead you and guide you because you will truly be unstoppable. All right, anyway, let's keep going. I'm gonna fast forward down to verse 23 in this passage. Jesus is getting ready to address the crowd and this first thing that comes out of his mouth. I can almost imagine in my head like the crowd probably responded with an uproar of cheering and applause because here's what Jesus said in verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Just pause there for a minute. Here's this crowd of people that thinks Jesus is coming to Jerusalem to lead them on to their glory days, overthrow the Roman oppression that they're under and be their leader. I'm telling you right now, if Jesus, when he says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified, if he would have called that mob of people to arms, they would have been ready to fight right now. Lead us into battle. Let's do this thing. So I'm sure when Jesus is like, it's time, everybody, all this Old Testament prophecy, it's time. The hour has come. They're like, yes! And everything he's getting ready to say next is going to be confusing and disappointing to the crowd. Because he's not about to use words of total annihilation and conquest and and dominance. He's going to use words about sacrifice and service and death. And it's going to leave the crowd going, wait a minute, we thought thought you were the Messiah. Listen to what Jesus says, verse 24. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Notice that connection, the correlation between following Jesus and serving. He said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. And then look at this line. He says, my father will honor the one who serves me. I'm going to summarize today's entire message with one sentence. In recent weeks, I've had you guys filling out all kinds of blanks. I'm giving you one today. Okay? So if you've got your notes and if you're following along, let me make this summary statement, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit more. Here it is. Eternal fruit comes through service, sacrifice, and death. And that is so not sexy. Eternal fruit comes comes through service, sacrifice, and death. What do we mean by eternal fruit? Just to be clear, so we're all on the same page, we're not talking about physical fruit, apples, bananas, mangoes, right? We're talking about eternal fruit is this idea of something that's going to last beyond this physical life. Something that will last for all eternity that matters. When I'm a part of eternal fruit, that's when my life is getting used by God to, to make a difference that will outlive myself and will outlive this world. And it will make a difference for eternity. And, and I would just contend we give our lives to a lot of things that make zero difference in eternity. We get all worked up about stuff in this life that, you know, at the end of the day makes very little difference for eternity. That's not, there's no eternal fruit there. And I'm not saying we need to be so heavenly minded we're of no earthly good. Like, I think it's okay to live in this world and pay attention to some things in this world but real life that's fulfilling and has purpose and meaning because it's going to last longer than myself. It comes through serving other people and sacrificing and death. And what we're going to learn is, I think when Jesus is talking about death, I think quite literally he's referring to the fact that in less than a week he was going to be crucified on a cross. I think he's talking about his own physical death, I don't think he's saying that all of us have to hate our lives to the point of you know, self-harm. That, when he says, unless we hate our life in this world, I, he's speaking metaphorically. Like we, It's this idea of a daily death unto myself, where I lay down my rights and my desires and my dreams and agendas, and I live for God and for others above myself. Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is I am hardwired from birth to not live that way. And so are you. You are hardwired from birth. The Bible would call it our sinful flesh nature, our, our, our flesh sinful self, right? Like you and I are hardwired from birth to live self-absorbed, self-centered lives where everything revolves around me and my happiness and my comfort and what I want. And so this idea that to live a life that matters, I have to serve and sacrifice and die to myself, that's in huge... Conflict with one another because I want to live for me. I want to do what I want to do I want to be comfortable. I want to be happy and I really don't care how comfortable and happy you are Because I care about me and and you do the same thing And yet what Jesus is saying in this passage is this like listen if you want a life that really matters you got to get past that And, and what you'll find is that it's when we serve when we sacrifice when we die to self that life that really matters is there Now, I told you to notice that correlation where Jesus talked about if we're truly following him, we're going to be serving other people. So Christians, in the sound of my voice this morning, let that one sink in for just a moment. Jesus said, where I am, if you're following me, you'll be serving other people. Uh, Can I just ask you, can I poke around a little bit and go based on the last week of your life, the last month, like what evidence is there that you're a Christ follower based on whom you're serving? Just a question to think about. And then here's another thing. i got to point out this dynamic real quick. Because on the surface, that kind of sounds like a sucky life. Let's just be honest. Really? To serve and to sacrifice and to die to myself? Who's signing up for that trip? That sounds like a horrible place to be. That sounds like that's no fun. But did you catch what Jesus said? That his father honors those who serve. And so when I when I read that, if you want to jot down this scripture, I just this this verse came to my mind, Psalm thirty seven four. I love that verse. If you go look up Psalm thirty seven four, what you'll find is that God's word says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you what? the desires of your heart. Now, this is this weird thing that I can only explain in God's economy because to me, it would, it would stand to reason if I give myself to serve and sacrifice and die to myself for God and for others, that my life's going to suck, that it's all about them and nothing about me. And yet God's word says, when you do that, God has a way to fulfill the desires of your heart. And don't twist that to mean that if I give God some lip service, he's going to give me a BMW that I want in my driveway. That's a, it's an abuse of that verse. But I'm here to tell you this kind of ties into where we've been in the last few weeks as we lo- looked in John chapter 10 about Jesus as our good shepherd. Remember, and he talks about this abundant life that he came to give us. And, and it ties back into that theme of when I give my life to the Lord and I let him lead and guide me. Oh my goodness, he gives us a life that is so far beyond what we deserve. Like, it's a life that's rich and meaningful and fulfilling. And again, any Christ follower in the sound of my voice could say yes and amen to that. Like, God has given me a life I don't deserve. And it's meaningful, and there's purpose. And I wake up most every day excited about the day when I don't see snow outside, right? Like, life is amazing following Christ, It's not a life without problems, it's not a life without challenges and trials and heartache and grief and loss, but man, it's a rich life. It's it's that you delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. I can't explain how it works. I just know I'm here as living proof that it worked for me. The The more I follow God into those areas that I don't naturally feel like going and I obey him, the more he seems to bless my life in ways I can't explain. It's crazy. Well, let's keep going. Verse 27. Notice the human tension that's here. Notice the reluctance on Jesus's humanity to to look forward to what was coming in the upcoming. Can you imagine if on today, on this Sunday, if I told you that Friday, this coming Friday, TGIF, no, 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 not TGIF, because this Friday you are going to be beaten beyond recognition of a human being. You're going to be mocked, spit on, punched in the face, drug through the streets of jerusalem whipped in the back 39 times where your body is completely shredded you're going to have a crown of thorns impaled into your scalp and they're going to march you through that same crowd that's worshiping you today they're going to be yelling crucify him and spitting on you on friday and they're going to lead you outside of town and nail you to a cross how many of you are looking forward to the upcoming week seeing you thought you had a bad week you know, you just, you just have to deal with some minor things this week. Listen to what Jesus says, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Can you blame him? My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? That's exactly what John would have been saying. God, any other way, please don't, don't make me do this. No, it was for this very reason. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Church, I just want to point out briefly before we move on how Jesus embraced discomfort for me and for you. Can you hear the humanity in Christ's voice? Is like, I don't want to go through with this. And he did it anyway, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. He did it for a sinful mankind that at that point in our lives we were still giving him the middle finger, living rebelliously unto ourselves, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He embraced that discomfort, that misery, that suffering. And he did it for me and he did it for you. So, can I just connect the dots? If Jesus was willing to submit to the will of his Father and endure that horrible... I don't know why we call it Good Friday, because for Jesus it was anything but good. I suppose it's good for us because it bought us our salvation the shed blood of the sacrificial lamb of god on the cross so for us it is kind of a good friday it was a very dark hard day for jesus that friday and if jesus was willing to submit to the will of his father and endure that discomfort and that suffering for you and for me do you think that god might not really have at his highest priority for your life and my life our own personal comfort See, let me just, this is going to blow some of you away, so it's a good thing you're sitting down. Some of you might fall out of your chair when I say this. Did you know that your personal comfort and my personal happiness is not at the top of God's priority? It's not. Did you know that? Like, God is not in heaven today going, oh, I hope they stay comfortable. I, I hope they stay happy. I want them to be happy and comfortable. We serve a savior that embraced discomfort and suffering in order for us to have salvation. Could it be possible that God might invite you out of your comfort zone and what feels safe and secure and what makes you happy to get on the edge of discomfort and suffering and go, that's where the fruit is. That's where eternal significance lies. It's not back here in your recliner. I love my recliner, okay? That's not where the fruit is. Fruit's out there. And it's gonna cost service and sacrifice, and you might even have to die to yourself. Like, I don't think God's in heaven going, oh my goodness, I would really love for him to do this, but he or she's going to have to give up some of their hobbies and some of their interests and activities. That's just asking too much of them. No, God's like, yep, it's a question you get answered. What's it worth to you? Are you willing to embrace discomfort for the cause of Christ? I'm just going to let that one sit where it needs to sit because I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people in our church today. Verse 28. Remember that we left off where Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. I love this. This is kind of humorous to me. It says, Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him so they couldn't audibly discern the voice of God, but they knew someone said something, right? And I love Jesus' response. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. I just think that's awesome. Like He's like, I didn't need that. That's for you all. There's another sign. I am who I say I am. Now, look what Jesus says. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, he's speaking of the evil one, will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, his audience would have known that to mean crucifixion. When I am crucified, essentially, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Then the crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Do you see the confusion? They're like, wait a minute. We thought you were coming to be this conquering Savior, like was going to lead us back into this amazing political, military might. And you're talking about serving and sacrificing and dying, and you're talking about being lifted up? are you really the Messiah? Like, wh- 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 where do we miss this? See, they didn't understand the kind of salvation and the kind of kingdom Jesus was coming to establish. And then look what Jesus says, verse 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Hey church, can I just say my fear is that There's darkness waiting to overtake some people in the sound of my voice this morning. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Am I speaking to anyone today that you feel like you're going through life, you don't know where you're going? Look what Jesus says. He says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And then when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. So notice in that that last little passage of scripture, both what I would call a promise and a threat. The promise is this. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you walk in the light, while you have this momentary window of time in this life to receive him as Lord and Savior, you'll become children of light. That's the promise. The threat is if you fail to take this opportunity in this limited window of time called life, To receive Jesus, you will enter into eternity. The Bible talks in other places about eternal separation from God and hell as a place of eternal darkness. And Jesus is giving a warning. Believe in me while there's still time, because otherwise darkness awaits. Darkness will overtake you. And I believe, like I said, it's quite possible in a crowd this size, speaking to an audience online all over the place. It's very possible someone's watching and listening to this message today that is walking in darkness and Jesus Christ is inviting you to step out of the darkness and into the light and it comes through believing in him. So I want to boil our message down to three action steps today and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead you wherever you need to take a step but here's what I'll say real clearly. I I hope you don't just come to church to hear a message and then walk out doing nothing with it. If, If that's why you come to church, I'm just telling you, you're wasting your time. We do not open the living word of God and preach his word so that people can go, good job, Pastor John, good sermon. No, we open God's word so the spirit of God can convict us and we change. Like we do something with what we heard. So I want to challenge you in three areas. We, we kind of boil them down to this. We package it like this. Know, grow, and go. And the spirit of God can show you which of those steps you need to take. But I want to start with the question, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you a child of the light? Have you put your faith in him and crossed over from darkness to life? I would just invite you, if you're here today and you say, John, I don't know that I've ever really invited Christ to be my Lord and Savior. In just a moment, as we close out in a word of prayer, you will have an opportunity to just bow your head from wherever you're at and say, Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Messiah that came to give your life on a cross for my sin, and I need you. And today, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. And my prayer is that today there would be many people making that prayer their own across this audience. Secondly, I want to just poke around on this one. I want to challenge you to take a step of growth. If you know Christ, and I know in the crowd, I'm looking at the faces of my church family here. I know many here would claim, John, I do believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Praise God for that. Here's my question then for you, Christian Are you growing? And This is between you and God. This isn't for you to prove to me This is for you to just have a conversation with the Lord right now in this moment and go Lord What step of growth do I need to take in my life based on what we talked about today? Can I just preach a little bit? Can I poke and prod in an area? I believe that Jesus Christ is calling his church to get okay being not okay like to get comfortable being uncomfortable you know, sometimes as I've worked with young leaders in ministry, this is a conversation that I have with them sometimes. Like, okay, look, you're in this, this spiritual office now of leadership. You just need to let this weight settle in on you. It's a weight, and you're going to carry it. The good news is you're not carrying it alone. Jesus Christ, it's his church. The results are on him. But just get used to this weight. But see, what do I want to do when I get weight? I like to put the weight away. I don't like weight. You're like sure, looks like you do, John. And sure, it's not fitting like it used to. Okay, anyway, but I, we we try to get away from what's heavy and uncomfortable. I believe Jesus might be saying to some people, men and women and teenagers in the rescue church, it's time for you to take a step of growth, and that step of growth is not going to be comfortable because I'm going to ask you to step up and carry some weight in this church—a leadership role, a staff role, a volunteer position that you can see. Look around. There's needs. That's not comfortable, but that's where the fruit is and that's where the tension lies I believe god would call some people in this church to take some steps of growth and step up And just get uncomfortable. Maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's a certain family Maybe it's that really difficult person at work to to like and love because no one else likes and loves them because of how they act And what if the holy Spirit's saying I want you to love them tomorrow? Like for real. I want you to be a friend And I want you to pay the price of discomfort that that's going to bring with it. I don't know God can do with that what he needs to. But finally, go. We're going to talk about this. Today, I want to give a very clear go step to our church. As I said earlier, next Sunday is Easter. I passed out these cards. My challenge to you is this. For Easter Sunday, we're going to do two things. We're not putting on some big dog and pony show where we're asking you know, the community to come to some big event. We've done that in the past. I'm not mad about that. But this year, here's what we're doing. Two things. We are going to commit to asking Our friends to come and join us for church, and then we're going to commit to praying for those friends. Essentially, we're going to pray and ask God to do the part that only He can do, and then we are going to do the part that we can do, okay? So we're going to ask God to do the stuff that's up to Him, and then we're going to do the stuff that's up to us. See, I can't change anybody's heart. I can't convict anybody of sin. I can't even make anybody go to church. I wish I could. This place would be packed. I can't make anybody do anything, but God can work in people's hearts. So Lord, I'm going to commit to putting some names on a piece of paper and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to invite them. But Lord, I need you to go ahead of me and just give me the favor to have them come, have them say yes. And even if it's not next Sunday, it's not a failure. If they come four Sundays from now next year, like great, God will use it if you plant those seeds. But again, that's not comfortable, is it? I mean, it's not really hard. I'm not asking you to like, give a kidney to a total stranger this week. I'm just saying invite a friend to church, okay? How hard is that? But it can still be a little uncomfortable because you might find out your friend didn't even know you went to church. Ooh, awkward, <laughs> right? Well, I didn't know. You don't live like a Christian at all. So that might mean some growth stuff we got to work on in your life, right? But here's the other thing that we're doing along with this. As we pray and as we go and do our part, I got to tell you real quick, today... We're sending out an email to everyone that's on our church's email list with some tools that we're putting in your hands to help you making you know, the invitation process easier. Here's what those tools are. In this email, you're going to get a whole bunch of like, social media stuff to use on Facebook, like a cover photo, a profile picture, some sample posts. Like, I think our team made a couple little memes. You don't have to use all of it, but you can use what you want to use and just help share that on Facebook to invite your community, invite your friends to join us for church next Sunday. So if you're not on our church's email list, the way to get signed up for that is that connection card. Just fill that out. Hand it in as you're walking out the worship center today. If you're online, you can go to our website. There's a place right there to get signed up for our uh, emails. And by the way, nothing annoys me more than when someone's like, well, I didn't know we had this or that. And I'm like, well, it's on the email that goes out every week. Are you signed up for those? No, I didn't know we had an email. We've got an email list. So it's a great way to stay involved in the life of this church. But this week, we're going to put that email out three times. Today, like this afternoon, it's going out right after church. And then we're going to put it out two more times this week. So you'll get those tools in your inbox to help you invite on social media. But we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to do his part and then we're going to do our part. Oh, also, I was holding this in my hand. As you're leaving the Flandreau Worship Center today, we've got these simple little invite cards. It's nothing special, but it's just got our church name and website and a place for you to write on the back. So, I mean, again, it could be just as easy as handing that to a friend and saying, hey, check us out online or join me next Sunday, Easter, whatever. Like, let's go. Let's get uncomfortable and let's go and let's use this opportunity next Sunday that's kind of a natural point of a momentum to say, Lord, would you please bring some people into not only this church. It's not just about getting them to attend the rescue church. It's so much more than that. It's getting them to the place where the gospel is going to clearly be presented and they'll hear an invitation to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how we're going to close out our service today. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite a couple other people to come to the front. I've got a few volunteers that have already said they would lead us, but we're going to pray right up here today. Just have a little bit of moment of prayer as a church family Praying for Easter Sunday, that God would use our our service, our invitations, the the gospel that we preach next week, that God would use this ministry to bring people into his eternal kingdom. So let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we're going to move into a little bit more extended time of prayer with some of our volunteers today. God in heaven, I thank you for this moment you've given to us. Lord, thank you for this account that we read from scripture of Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem to a crowd of worshiping people that five days later would be screaming, Crucify him, as he went to the cross and took our sin upon himself. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that we remember this week as we head into this Easter week. Really, Lord, there's nothing significant on the calendar uh, in terms of your eternal kingdom. Like every day, we have this to celebrate and worship and be grateful for. But this is the time of year that we just set aside to be intentional about looking back to the cross and remembering that sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone listening or watching this message, um, whether here in Flanger or online, that's never received you as their Lord and Savior, that right now in this moment, Spirit of God, that you would just be convicting their heart and saying, you know what, that's you he's talking to. You need a relationship with me. And Lord, I pray that right now they would be bowing their head and in faith. More importantly, bowing their knee in submission before the cross of Calvary and inviting you to be their Lord and their Savior. God, I pray that you would use us in the days ahead. Help us to just get comfortable being uncomfortable. Forgive us, Lord, when we put such a high value on our own personal comfort, when we stack that alongside of what you endured for us. It's, it's really pathetic. And Lord, on behalf of, of this church, I just say, myself included, forgive us for the times that we value our comfort way more than we value the eternal well-being of people in our lives. And I pray that this week you'd help us to just embrace discomfort for the cause of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would go ahead of us into next week and just help us to have a powerful service as we introduce many people to the hope that they can have through the message of the resurrected Savior. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. I pray you'd bless this time of prayer that's getting ready to follow right now. It's in the name of Jesus. We pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.